Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? I'm your host, Greg Young, and today uh, we are joined by the humble, the brilliant, the ephemeral, the founder and, uh, you know, host and everything like that of Japer's Rink and, uh, you know, a lot of other things. Uh, He's also an artist. And uh, we have on the podcast, John Press. John, how are you doing today? Wow, uh, that's quite, (laughs) that was was quite the introduction. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We were just talking that uh, I think I figured out my rhythm now for watching Capitals games uh, while being abroad and the games being on at 2 a.m. So uh, if you send me a tweet between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m., I will not be reading them. So, so I think that's that's my solution because I've been getting up uh, getting up nice and early. But I know I know John, you were saying before that uh, you uh, it's going to be tough enough for you just to watch these uh, upcoming West Coast games, no? Yeah, I mean, and by tough enough, I mean it's not going to happen. Like <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I go, I'm an old man. I go to bed early. I wake up early. You know, the good thing about you being over uh, in Europe is that like. Between, you know, Becca and Alex stay up probably till one or two in the morning. I'm up by six. I think you uh, fill the gap there. So, like, the sun's (laughs) never sets. No one knows at this point because I I don't know them either. (laughs) The the sun never sets on the Japers Empire. So it's uh, we always got you covered, I guess. There you go. There you go. I think there's a uh, there's a uh, the the was I going to say a Lion King quote in there that I somehow that I don't really remember, but that's fine. Um, but you know, speaking of things that are good, uh, the Washington Capitals they're they're playing really well, John. Uh, they have won uh, four in a row, and uh, they've been fun. I've enjoyed watching the team this year. Uh, this is cool, right? Like, what what's going on with them right now? You know, it it is uh, surprising, and I guess I need to step right up and eat a little crow because, you know, in our roundtable at the beginning of the season, uh, we talked about our concerns about the team, and, you know, obviously everybody came with the age of the team uh, and guys getting hurt due to age and that kind of thing, and we have seen some injury. I don't know uh, how many of those are 
age related, uh, you know, Nick Baxter probably is, but whatever. Uh, people also had concerns about the goaltending and uh, to a certain degree, I think those have been borne out as well. But uh, I, I wanted to be uh, unique in my take on what I was concerned with. So I said one of my concerns as a fan, as a consumer of this entertainment product, is that the Caps would just be a boring team, you know, it, because Peter Laviolette's teams in the past have frequently been boring. Um, but, you know, shame on me. Uh, they're not boring. Uh, yeah, I did, I did say I did say any game Alex Ovechkin plays is worth watching, uh, period, full stop. But, you know, I, I should have learned. Uh, it's, you know, when, when Barry Trotz came to town, everybody said, oh, it's going to be boring. It's going to be a defensive slog. And I think, you know, what... Barry Trotz did what uh, Laviolette did is doing uh, to an extent uh, kind of show that like if you have a good system and you have superior finishing talent and skill up front, you know, you're probably not going to be boring, even if that system uh, might look otherwise boring. And I think, you know, you'd probably get Devils fans from the uh, 90s agreeing with me uh, on that take. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, ju just because you play good defense and the Caps are definitely playing good defense. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to be boring. So, uh, you know, yeah, they have been exciting. They have been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch the kids uh, play a little. It's been just electric to watch uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov play the way he's been playing. And, of course, uh, Alex Ovechkin. So, yeah, they've been they've been good and exciting, uh, which I only maybe thought they'd be one of those things, but uh, happy that they're both. Yeah, that's that's always refreshing. And I was uh, I was actually looking back on my prediction at the roundtable too, and uh, identified goaltending, which uh, as being one of my concerns, which actually I think was kind of the one that's hold held up. So I, I'll give myself a small pat on the back for that one. But we are going to talk about goaltending later. We are not okay. going to talk about that now. Um, what we are going to talk about though is I, I know John, kind of in the Slack we were talking about this is kind of the formula for the Caps success right now being. You know, again, they have the highest five on five shooting percentage in the NHL, right? Like, which is, I actually pulled the numbers and uh, they have, I I don't think since they've started uh, keeping track of shooting percentage that the Capitals have had a shooting percentage that is below league average. So no. this is like something that they do and it's just pretty consistent. I will say that it really kind of went in a different stratosphere when Barry Trotz took over because I think of the, um, I think of the last like, you know, 10 to 15 seasons that I was able to pull the Capitals have a shooting percentage uh, in like the top five of that era during, you know, during these caps teams of trots, uh, trots Reardon and Laviolette. So, you know, again, they have a really good shooting percentage, but this year, you know, they've again played very strong five V five defense uh, and, they also have a pretty solid underlying metrics this year. Uh, they they had okay last year, but they've they're kind of crawling at the 53% mark, which is solid given that you would think the Caps are going to rock a good shooting percentage. So I don't know. This seems like a formula that actually might work. No. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I I think that we can put aside all uh, concerns that the Caps. Uh, being an above average uh, shooting percentage team uh, is unsustainable. You know, uh, are they going to shoot 11% uh, like they're shooting now all season at five on five? Mm, probably not. Uh, I don't think that's terribly likely, but you know, they're also not going to fall below eight and a half percent. They're def they're probably not going to fall below 
you know, nine and a half percent, I wouldn't think. And then, you know, you couple that with uh, they're very likely to regress in a positive direction on the power play, God willing. Uh, and that'll <laughs> that'll offset a lot of it. So, uh, yeah, like we, like I was saying earlier, you know, shot suppression and plus finishing talent uh, is a, a absolute recipe for success if you can get uh, even consistently average goaltending. You don't need great, great goaltending at that Or even uh, like 40th percentile goaling, I would say, would probably. Well, he started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> well, I, right, I, okay. I really need. I'm probably, I really I'm need... probably maybe putting the line a little too fine there, but, you know, like just just I, not not horribly below average goaltending, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think they need to have at a, a minimum dependably consistently average goaltending. I mean, it's it's really hard to uh, overcome just below average goaltending. It, uh, so in this league and I mean, it, it can happen, but, um, you know, to to have it happen uh, over the course of four playoff rounds, eh, that's asking an awful lot because, you know, there's there's average goaltending when you're playing a 32 team regular season uh, and you've got, you know, uh, the, the uh, Flyers and the Sharks and the Senators and, you know, those teams in the in the league. Um, and then there's average when you get to the postseason and you've lopped off half the teams in the league who probably for the most part aren't in the playoffs because they got below average goaltending. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know. When you look at the teams that make the playoffs, how they, uh, what their per, say percentages were in the regular season, you know, you probably want to be uh, at absolute worst uh, league average. But uh, obviously, ideally, you'd you'd be a couple ticks above that. But uh, you know, so far so good. They if they can get uh, if they can figure out how to get the penalty the power play working again. Uh, you know, I think that uh, that the, this team should be in very comfortable position to make the playoffs. And, you know, uh, that's a long way off. So we don't have to talk about anything that happens no, after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, I, I will say it. And I think you're you're the one that kind of has been be- beating this drum for a while now. Like these games in October, November count just as much as the ones in March and uh, March and April. Right. In terms yep. of playoff position. So, I mean, they're, they're putting themselves in a really good position. And uh, real quick, while you were talking about goaltending, uh, I actually pulled the caps uh, all strength save percentage, which is at 91 percent, which is exactly league average, uh, <laughs> which, which will which will work. That'll that'll do. That'll work. You know, they just that'll work. That'll work. For Probably, now. yeah. That's because I was actually gonna say they need 91 goaltending, like 91% goaltending. That'll that'll probably work for them, given given their shooting percentage. So yeah, I I guess like I mean, while while you were on the power play though, let's talk a little bit about that. Like I've been kind of flummoxed by it lately, and I think that we I don't know. It seems like we always kind of have these cycles with the power play of, okay, like, is this a system thing? Is it a personnel thing? I don't know. Like, I I am, like, struggling with this debate, John, and I'm wondering, like, kind of, can you provide some clarity with me being out in the wilderness as to what to do with this power play? Uh, Yeah, I mean, maybe. First of all, you can't lose a Nick Backstrom from a power play and not expect a drop-off. You, you can't lose a TJ Oshie uh, from that power play and not expect a drop off. So, you know, certainly losing those two guys 
uh, hurts and it hurts a lot. But, um, you know, they still they still have uh, a very potent center. Uh, they still have the best shooter in the league who they're having trouble finding uh, ways to get him shots. Uh, they still have a very good power play quarterback uh, on the blue line in John Carlson. So uh, they should still be able to, to score some goals. But, uh, you know, right now they're not. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I think that, man, I, I think that at some point you, you need to start uh, rethinking some things on the power play because, uh, it's just not a power play that should be middle of the pack like it is. And I mean, that's middle of the pack after having a, you know, a game against Pittsburgh with a, a goal or two or whatever they had. And, uh, you know, the, the shooting percentage is lower than we would expect uh, on the power play. But yeah, shot, shot generation wise, they're doing okay. I mean, they rank, they rank like horribly below average and high danger, but you know, the, the kind of the classic thing is like the Ovechkin one-timer isn't exactly classified as a high danger, although, right. you know, practically it is. So, you know, you would think, I mean, the Caps rank right now, I, the, the metric I always kind of use is that shots four per 60 on the, on the, on the 5v4, they rank 12th in the NHL, which that's not, I mean, you would expect some, I think, positive regression from that, no? Right. Uh, yeah. And they were uh, eighth in that same metric last year. Uh, so it's a little bit of a drop off. Uh, maybe that's attributed to Backstrom and uh, Oshi being out. But I think you got to find a way to get OV uh, power play shots uh, because, you know, whether it's moving him around to the top for one timers, like you've seen him in Carlson switch positions sometimes uh, on there, you, you got to get your best score shots on the power play. It's, it's kind of yeah. that simple and you got to get them. Uh, I mean, if you need to put him in, in front, bring him closer than that, fine. Um, you know, I, I don't think that you can just have him be a, uh, you know, a distraction out there or a, a decoy. Uh, I don't think that's what uh, what you want for for Alex Ovechkin. But uh, yeah, I mean his his shots his shots per sixty on the power play are actually up this year. So what do I know? I'm uh, you know uh, the, his metrics are in line more or less. Uh, a little bit lower on the scoring chances, but um, it, you know it just doesn't look it doesn't look like he's getting the opportunities he needs to be getting and they need to find a way to, to fix that. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, my, my, one of my pet theories, I think, and I think you see this more with teams that see the caps power play a lot is I think you're starting to really see a lot of emphasis on just giving Carlson point shots a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think their zone entries are, you know, I mean, we always complain about them, but I do think that like they haven't been good this year too. So those are, I guess, kind of two little things. And I would also say, uh, I, I know Sherry had a goal on the on the power play somewhat recently, but man, that yeah, I don't I don't think he does too much for me in that in that kind of net no. front Oshi spot. Does he for you? No, no. I mean, it's not. He he's a, a PP two guy, you know, at best. <laughs> he's definitely not. Uh, not a guy that's going to be a, a key cog on a, a highly functioning uh, first power play unit. 
No, and I think the the guy I'm keeping my eye on a little bit is someone who actually has gotten to the net, I think, more effectively than I would have thought. It is, uh, I would be interested to maybe see Connor McMichael get a get a shot in the Oshi role, but uh, you know, that's uh, that's that's uh, neither here nor there. I think the odds of that being happening anytime soon, I think, are pretty limited. Um, so, all right, let's uh, let's flip to talking about Alex Ovechkin at five v five, where he has. I think been frankly nothing short of incredible. Like, I mean, he was again a first star in the NHL this week, but he had six assists this time. That was his kind of magic formula, including, I will say, just an absolutely gorgeous pass uh, yesterday against the Penguins uh, to Garnet Hathaway. So I don't know. I mean, like, I think every podcast I want to talk about Alex Ovechkin, even though I feel like we've exhausted the uh, Alex Ovechkin continues to amaze me. But uh, I don't know, JP, he continues to amaze me. And I think it even now you're seeing him develop, I think, and in, in really expand his games in ways that are just un, un, uh, unfathomable for a 36-year-old player to do. And I just, I don't know, like I, I can gush about him for the rest of the podcast if we want, but uh, I don't know. I just, I have... I don't know if I have anything unique to say about Alex Ovechkin, except that just he's he's really good and he continues to just amaze and really, really enhance his game in ways that I didn't really think were possible. Yeah, I mean, what he's doing right now is just incredible. I mean, his his goal rate at five on five is right now a career high by, you know, fairly comfortably, you know, by, you know, 12 15 percent something like that uh his assist rate at five on five is way above his uh any his career best like twice his career best uh you know maybe uh 50 percent more or something like that you know his, his primary assist rate uh best of his career so like what he's doing right now uh at five on five is uh, is just incredible. I mean, his shot rate is down. His uh, his shooting percentage is up, and that is the tiniest cause for concern because uh, this is a guy who is uh, a volume shooter. And uh, if you're looking for a time when his goal scoring is going to slow down, it's going to be when that volume starts slowing down. Um, but you know what what he's doing right now. You know, it is nothing short of incredible. Uh, it, it just is like it's dumbfounding how good he's been. And, you know, I think uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov deserves some credit there and and vice versa. Uh, Ovi for getting Kuznetsov uh, going again. Uh, the way the two of them are playing, uh, they're just dominating games. And uh, against Pittsburgh, yeah. Kuznetsov just controlled that game. I mean, like. He controlled that game they couldn't get in, the a puck way, off stick. Yeah. in a way that you don't often see uh, centers control a game. It w- that was just like elite level uh, ownership of the puck and the way he uh, ran that game. Uh, it was like man against boys. Uh, it was really it was really something to watch. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, it, can he sustain that? Can Ovechkin sustain that? I don't think the numbers are going to be sustained at this rate, but um, hopefully the focus and the intensity and uh, the the attention to detail uh, in both of their games can uh, stay at this high level. And it's really carried them when they've been w- literally without a second line. And 
for the most part, before that Pittsburgh game, without much secondary scoring. Um, good to see Sprong. Good to see Sherry. Good to see Eller come to life a little bit. Um, so uh, maybe maybe the, they can uh, take a little of the pressure off of uh, those big two Russians. But uh, the way they've both been playing, and especially Ovechkin, it's just uh, it, it's it's really turned the the Gretzky question into a question of when and not if. Like yeah. you know, uh, yeah, you you always worry about health and that kind of thing. But geez, uh, you know it. it it has taken a turn. Things have taken a turn. Ovechkin has like he has like uh, fifty-seven like, I think even Dom goals. Was like writing an article that it like kind of just feels like a and you know I think he's obviously an Ovechkin fan, but I think he's maybe a little more cap skeptic than most. But I think even he was saying like, yeah, this is like it kind of just feels like I, I don't know this is gonna happen. And uh, the other thing I will say from a goal chase perspective is you know I think if he's like thirty away or something, there's gonna be a lot of pressure on both him and the Capitals to kind of like you know, got, ride this out until he gets there. Well, I mean, sure. But I mean, he, he he's 36 years old and yeah. he has, uh, he has like 57 goals his last 82 games or something like that. <laughs> it, it is just, just, just an absurd, absurd individual doing absurd, absurd things. And uh, we're just really fortunate to get to and watch it. Freaking, it's not like he's like free riding on that line either. I mean, obviously Kuznetsov is going to have the puck most. Obviously Wilson's going to be doing most of the retrieval. But like, I mean, I mean, most of his scoring has been 5v5. It's not the stereotypical, which, by the way, was not always ever really 100% true. But like. Right. You know, he's if that stereotype still existed of Ovechkin just kind of cashing in on the power play and just, you know, being a fossil and sitting out there and doing one timers all day. It one never really was true. And two certainly isn't true now. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, he's uh, he's simply a terrific player and uh, doing terrific things. And, you know, what else can you say? His assist rate. It's like. It's like he's also decided, like, fuck it. I'm just going to show everybody that I can, uh, that I'm an incredible passer too. Like, uh, yeah. you know, he's he can kinda... do that. I mean, like he he has he's always had that in his game. Yeah, for sure. He's just, I mean, he's just co- completely uh, leveled up. Really, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how else y- you want to say it. I mean, there there's only one guy in the entire league. Uh, right now, with, who's played ten games, who has a higher assist rate at five on five, and that's Jacob Silverberg. Like, sure. I, I mean, <laughs> right? Uh, Ovechkin's, yeah. I, 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 where, where's Connor? Connor must be down here somewhere. But it, you know, uh, it, it just, man, uh, like, keep it, let it ride, keep it going. I mean, he's having like borderline, like a, like a, I mean, he's going to be like a, I mean, obviously I think the odds that he keeps up this rate are pretty low, but like, you know, he's like, I mean, he's like borderline going to get like, you know, he should get like heart finalist, like kind of top three consideration at this point. It's incredible. No, no question. No, no question that, that through 15 games or whatever they've played so far, uh, if you were to have heart voting today, he's got to be uh, one of your three finalists. Yeah. Got to yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the two obviously in Edmonton, you would think it will be up there pretty t- pretty highly too, and Drysaitel and, and McDavid. But it's uh, I I don't know. I mean like I this is this is just incredible, and uh, I'm glad we got to talk about Oveshkin for five minutes because I think that you know sometimes on Capitals podcasts it could be 
I, you know, I, I, I listened to a couple of others, you know, like I, you know, with ours too, you know, I think it could be sometimes easy to kind of be all right. Like we got to add value and talk about like who the third line left wing is going to be, but sometimes maybe just talking about Ovechkin for five minutes is, is the way to go. Um, but with that being said, um, you know, I think that one of the things that, um, you know, we've seen and you mentioned it is. I think the secondary story started to pick up a little bit. And uh, yeah, obviously the Penguins, there were uh, six different goal scorers, none of whom were Ovechkin, although Ovechkin was pretty primely, you know, in a lot of it. So I don't know, like, I, I think that for right now with the amount of capitals that are injured, like, you know, they're going to, they're going to need to ride the top line a little bit, but I, you know, I think that you're going to need to see guys like Sprong and Eller start playing better. And I think that maybe we're starting to see the signs of it. I don't know. Like, where, where are you at on the secondary scoring and kind of how do you how do you see it maybe developing or potentially getting a little better as we go on here? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm feeling better about it after that Pittsburgh game than I was before the Pittsburgh game. But, you know, one game doesn't change all that much. I mean, even with that game. Uh, you have Connor Sherry sitting there with two even strength goals. Sprong has three. I mean, we're we're 15 games into the season, uh, and Carl Hagelin doesn't have a goal. Uh, Nick Dow. Oh, maybe maybe that one. Maybe that one's not all that shocking. <laughs> yeah, that, not the biggest surprise ever. But um, you know, it, it's it's uh, they, they've been able to keep the ship afloat uh, thanks to the top line. They do need more from the secondary scoring. Hopefully they start getting that second line back. And then, uh, you know, maybe maybe Sprong and Sherry and Eller, they start uh, producing a little bit more when instead of facing uh, the kind of opponents that that stack against your second line, you, you start they start seeing, you know, bottom six forwards instead, and maybe they uh, press a little bit of an advantage there. Um, and that's, you know, for, for a little while, uh, for the Caps, uh, when their top six was, you know, good, but not elite, elite, um, and on the decline, some a lot of times you'd think, okay, well, if our top six can solve their top six, uh, we have an edge in the bottom six because we have, you know, the Caps have guys like Eller and uh, Dowden Hathaway and Haglin, who, you know, say what you want about all those guys, but they they've been able to uh, kick in. You know, almost double-digit goals, dependably. Yeah, or, I think Dowd uh, had 11 goals last year. My, my right. favorite random stat. <laughs> right. Uh, and and if you have a, a Sprong or a Sherry on the third line instead of uh, in that second line role, everybody gets pushed down. Everybody plays somebody uh, that's not quite as good, uh, and maybe that's where they flex their advantage. And right now, they're just having a little bit of a harder time uh, going up against some tougher uh, opposition. But um, so I, I'm not thrilled with it, but I mean, again, like what, what do you expect when you lose literally uh, your entire second yeah. line? Like, like, yep. <laughs> sure. You, you'd like next man up, but, but there's a trickle down to all of that. You know, how many, uh, five on five Mantha and Oshi goals have they really missed? And, uh, you know, uh, a handful, you know. Well, I guess uh, I guess not a lot lately, but just generally, yeah, they've clearly missed that a little bit. Right, but I mean, when when you've got Sprong and Sherry, uh, 
you know, maybe those guys can almost fill the the goal rates that Amantha and an Oshi could. But you know, further down the line, uh, due respect to uh, Axel Janssen, Fialbi, and uh, Brett Leeson, who actually has a couple goals. But you know, the, it, it kind of the cascades down, and you and you start getting into these guys who you really honestly can't expect much from. So uh, it yeah. starts it starts to kind of impact the overall uh, numbers there. Yeah. All right. Well, kind of flipping to the other side of the ice. Uh, I think it's, it's safe to say JP that uh, Peter Laviolette does not like messing with D pairs. And uh, I think this year has uh, really taken that to a new extreme in that they have only ever had three D pairs this year, uh, which is of course, Dimitri Orlov and Nick Jensen, uh, John Carlson and Martin Faravari and uh, Justin Schultz and TVR. So I guess, like, I mean, it seems like it's working. I remember at the start of the year when he created those pairs, I was surprised that Ferravari got on the top pair. But I don't know. I, I think it seems kind of balanced. I think that TVR is kind of a necessary player to have with Justin Schultz because Justin Schultz is genuinely not good defensively. And TVR actually probably is. And so, I don't know. Like, I've been impressed, really, by the Caps. D, I mean, how could you not be impressed by Orlov and Nick Jensen? I think I tweeted the stat out today. But uh, Nick Jensen is outscoring uh, teams 17-3 to when he's been on the ice, which is pretty good, I think, at 5v5. So, I don't know. Like, I think these are good deep pairs. I can understand why LaViolette hasn't changed them. What are, uh, what are kind of your thoughts on that side of the ice? Well, I mean, first and foremost, good fortune uh, to have six defensemen who've played 15 games and haven't yeah. missed a one, you know, in direct contrast to that, uh, what they've got going on up front. Um, but, yeah, they, they have those three pairs have each played at least 180 minutes at five on five together. Uh, the Caps are the only team in the league with three pairs that have that have played uh, that much together. They're the only team with two pairs that have played 180 minutes together. Now, you know, the, not necessarily uh, the greatest news, but they, there are also uh, all, all three of those pairs are above 50% in expected goals um, led by that Jensen uh, Orlov pair, which has just been absolutely terrific this year. Um, and then in actual uh Goals for, uh, you know, you have Orlov Jensen at 83%, uh, TVR and Schultz at 65%. And then you have Faravari and Carlson who are, you know, one goal under 50%. Um, but also, you know, probably out there, I haven't looked too deep into it, but uh, you would probably think out there against top players against them, you know. Yeah, Although exactly. I would actually but also with. view Orlov Jensen as more of a shutdown pair at this point, but, you know, I think I think LaViolette probably just at this point is kind of rolling them, huh? I think I think so. I haven't really looked too closely uh, at how he's doing it, um, but uh, I think that's right. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's the, I mean, with Schultz and Carlson probably being the two biggest uh, defensive liabilities of the six of them, uh, Orlov Jensen would seem to be your most reliable pair, I would think. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, Faravari has been terrific so far, really stepped in, does not look out of place at all. Um, yeah. And uh, TBR, I think, has been... Uh, for the past two seasons, one of the more underrated players on this entire team. I mean, he was 
he was terrific last year with uh, playing when he played with uh, Brendan Dillon. He was very good uh, somehow. And, uh, you know, <laughs> anywhere you've played him, he's he doesn't make mistakes. He's just really solid. Uh, he's very rarely a guy who's going to cost you. He's not obvi- obviously he's not a big puck rusher. He's not a big offensive threat, but uh, he's just a very reliable and uh, oh, by the way, cheap defenseman. So yep. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's great to have someone like that when you're paying Carlson what you're paying Carlson and when you're paying Schultz what you're paying Schultz. So, you know, they've got some guys who uh, who, who make some of their bigger contracts uh, a little more palatable, uh, both on the ice and on the, um, you know, Excel sheet with the on cap friendly. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And uh, real quick, before we take a break, I want to give a shout out. Uh, we I did a quick call for questions and uh, my Ovechkin plus top line question was in large part influenced by at average caps fan, which is a fun account to follow. So uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, I'm going to ask JP about some of the younger players and uh, we'll uh, kind of take a little bit of a look at the road ahead for the Capitals. So stay tuned. Welcome back to JP's Drink Radio. Still here with John Press and uh, John. One of the things, and I, I, I think I tweeted out this thought, and I'm curious about about your your kind of take on it. The Capitals have kind of, through losing their entire second line, have uh, really had to play a lot of younger players, I think, at times to the chagrin of Peter LaViolette. Um, but I, I think that there's some upside to that, particularly early in a year, if the Capitals can kind of tread water, which they have lately, which is that you really get a look at, you know, who these young players are. And if you figure out some of them are ready for an NHL role, uh, cough, cough, Connor McMichael, then uh, I think it kind of really enhances your depth down the line, particularly for cheap. And it maybe says a Carl Hagelin is maybe potentially expendable. So I guess like on one hand, do you see that kind of silver lining? And two, have you been impressed by any of the young players so far? Well, I mean, certainly Carl Hagelin's expendable. Let's get that <laughs> right out of the way. Uh, there, any number of players could take his role uh, and provide uh, similar on ice value and at a cheaper cost. So, yes. you know, I'm ready to. That, the Axel guy, I think, might be a prime candidate. And they even have similar hair. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, Hags 2.0. Uh, there you go. Perfect. I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Thank you for your service. Uh, but I, I've seen what I need to see from uh, Carl Hagelin. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Connor McMichael, I think, has had some ups and downs. Uh, but overall, he s- certainly looks to me like he belongs. Um, it, it is. It has been a bit of a trial by fire. And uh, it'll be really interesting to me to see what they do with him. Uh, if God willing, they get back to a situation where they have uh, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Eller, Dowd down the middle. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't think those, any of those three guys are moving to the wing, or any of those four guys are moving to the wing. So uh, I think you're probably uh, moving Connor Michael to the wing. Um, but he's been, he's been good. He's, he's been, been pretty reliable. good on a third line right wing, no. I, that's where I think I'd probably have him, but, uh, you know, he's been really good, uh, so far. The underlying numbers are good. He's had some games where he's looked a little lost defensively, taking a bad penalty or two. He took a bad penalty against Pittsburgh after, uh, fumbling. Uh, I, I, maybe it wasn't a bad penalty, but the, he fum- he coughed the puck up and had to take a penalty there. So, uh, 
you know, so he, you know, he's not perfect. Uh, I don't think anybody was expecting him to be Nick Backstrom, and he's not. Uh, so that that's, you know, he's played as well, I think, as could be expected. Uh, Leeson's looked pretty good in his time. Uh, underlying numbers look even better. Uh, kind of doesn't get a ton of ice time and uh, hasn't made the biggest impression with the ice time he's had, but uh, he certainly looks fine. Fialbi, uh looks good to me too. Um, you know, haven't seen much out of Protus yet. And uh, as I said earlier, I, I've been really impressed with Ferrari. So that's, uh, that's five young guys. And then LaPierre, you know, clearly not quite ready, but uh, showed flashes uh, of uh, enough to show you, to get you really excited about the future for that kid too. So, um, you know, all in all, th- this for years we've been looking at, uh, you know, when Corey Pronman does a, a ranking of organizational depth or, uh, you know, whenever these uh, charts come out, these rankings come out, the caps are always at the very bottom, you know, 30th, 31st, 32nd, wherever. I, I think I was excited last year or this year because I think they were 27th or something. <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, but I mean, that fact of the matter is that's what happens when you have sustained uh, regular season success uh, like they have. You know, yep. it, it's it's part you draft late, you use assets to try to make a run, uh, you go out and you win a cup. And, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I don't think any of us would trade uh 2018 for uh having a couple better prospects or anything like that uh are, are we not going to trade a stanley cup for two second round picks <laughs> right exactly as uh <laughs> as was relayed on twitter the other day prospects are for poor people like it's like you know the future never comes like so let's just uh play for I think today that was but, like the maps that said that right like kind of yeah i think he was i think he was uh i think he was relaying somebody's uh somebody else's thought on it but the, yeah it's uh but then you got guys who can play and you know the thing to me has always been uh with these organizational depth kind of rankings a lot of times you know if a team has 10 guys who project to play in the nhl they're going to be uh you know ranked in the top three or four uh even though seven of those guys project at like third line wings maybe fourth line wings or something to me always give me the blue chips uh give me two blue chips over depth and everything and you know Connor McMichael looks like he's pretty close to a a blue chip potentially and Hendricks Lapierre shows a lot of promise and uh Ferrari also and you know that's not even uh touching guys down in Hershey like Alexiev who you know may or may not be a thing so uh and Fukali I mean you know we don't uh not necessarily a young guy uh per se uh good pedigree though second round pick you know obviously he's been around and goalies can have weird trajectories too yeah I mean he's not a hell of a lot older than the two guys they've got there right now so uh yeah no I mean you can't say enough and I think that uh the first quarter of this season may have recalibrated sort of um, certainly my opinion, maybe others uh, of just what kind of depth the caps might actually have there. There might be some stuff, some more there than we thought. No. Yeah. I think that they're there. It's definitely 
it's definitely been exciting, I think, this year from a lot of perspectives. And I think it's also, I think, kind of a testament to the sustained organizational success that the Capitals have had. You know, I think that with a lot of teams that I think you see cycles of struggling and struggling and struggling, cough, cough, Buffalo, cough, cough, Arizona. Like, I mean, yeah, you can have all these top picks and all these great players, but like, or great prospects, but I mean, how they develop matters too, right? And if you're constantly terrible, then like, you know, that doesn't make it easy for, you know, even even the bluest of blue chip prospects to develop into something. So I think you can end up in cycles where, you know, you look at a Buffalo, for instance, where you say like, oh man, like maybe if Darlene had just been in a better system or better program or something, like does, well, does sure. his career maybe look different? Well, I think, I think that's exactly right. And what happens when you're in this perpetual cycle of sucking is that, you know, your your prospects kind of come along, they age into their primes at different and wrong times almost. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you have, if your forwards uh, come into their own, but the goalie's not there and the defense isn't good enough, well, you know, that's not great. I mean, nope. maybe, uh, arguably, that's maybe what happened a little bit with the Caps in the uh, early Boudreaux era. Uh, the, and then, you know, if your defense comes along once your forwards are aged, you know, that that's not great either. You know, we talked, I was talking with some uh, buddies a couple weeks back about uh, quarterbacks in the NFL and, you know, how many of these young guys flop and how many of the uh, and and how hard it is. And the guys that really come through in the NFL a lot of times uh, are the later first round picks who are drafted by good teams who don't have to be rushed to the NFL and thrown out there, you know, to the dogs The you know, when when you're a terrible team and you draft a quarterback you're still a terrible team just with a good yeah. young quarterback and your offensive line probably sucks and your skill position players probably suck. So that guy gets creamed. He goes nowhere and he turns out to be a quote unquote bust. But uh, you know, whereas like Aaron Rodgers gets to learn behind Brett Favre for three years or whatever, before they start playing him. So, uh, and, and he goes on to have a, a great career and be an incredible lying sack of shit. So like, you never know <laughs> what you're going to, I think, I think he learned- more than just being a good quarterback from Brett. Yeah, Potter. <laughs> uh, true, true. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you just it, it, it is uh, for a guy like Connor McMichael, for a guy like LaPierre or Ferrari, uh, they're in great situations and maybe they don't get to the NHL and get the opportunities once they're there uh, that a, a prospect on a crappier team, a more desperate team might get. But long term, you got to think it's better for their uh, development uh, to to be brought along in a way that is uh, a little more measured. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's frustrating for fans. They want to see these guys play more, play more, trust them more. You know, why does Barry Trotz hate young players? Why does LaViolette hate young guys? And, you know. You, you uh, then you look up five years down the road and Tom Wilson's a guy who reliably scores over 20 goals is a great penalty killer and is one of the most valuable players on your team or something. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, not always the most uh, deferential to authority uh, type of guy, no, but at the same JP. time, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I think it's uh, kind of folly sometimes to think that we know better uh, in certain situations uh, with uh, in terms of w what it takes to develop these kids and uh, bring them along at the right pace.
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously have my quibbles with uh, Peter Laviolette, but the guy has been a head coach in the NHL since I think I was in like elementary school. So, like, you know, clearly, <laughs> clearly he's, he knows something that I don't, right? He knows something. He knows something. All right. Well, uh, I, uh, speaking of something, though, that I know nothing about, uh, we have a question from uh, our fine uh, Japers Rink own uh, Luke, who's asking us about uh, when um, are we going to finally insert? Oh, wait. All right. I'm going to actually make an addition to his question. Uh, when will we finally admit that Zach Lucali is the answer that we've all been waiting for? And uh, <laughs> so I guess, I'm, JP, and all kidding aside, I'm just going to ask you about goaltending. I don't I don't know. Like, I, I guess, like, can I let me maybe phrase it this way? Like, if we are in January and the Caps goaltending looks like it does now, do they make a trade or not? And kind of. Do you, do you see a probability of how things are going to shake out until then? Or are you kind of just in the dark as I am? Yeah, it's a tough, tough question. Uh, and, you know, they have the youngest goaltending duo in the league right now. Uh, they also probably have the cheapest goaltending duo in the league right now. I haven't checked that. They kind of have to, right? They're both yeah. making, like, league – or, well, Sam, Sammy isn't anymore, but the right. Vertex is, Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they have the lowest, but they're cheap. You know, they, they have mm-hmm. they have uh, combined. They probably make like a quarter of what Grubauer is making this year to give up four goals a night. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't begrudge the Caps going into this season with these two guys at all. You know, I think that is a very uh, defensible plan. They, they neither one of these guys. I mean, Sammy just hit his 50th uh, NHL appearance. Uh, you know, I don't think that we know for sure what either one of these guys is. And, um, I think we're getting some ideas and, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, to me, I I think they're both, uh, average NHL goalies, uh, give or take. I don't think that they're reliably average. I don't think they're going to turn in an average performance every night. I think they're going to be some great games and some uh less great games and that is what you get sometimes with young goalies that's what you get sometimes with old goalies it's hard to predict the position and um the you know in 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 a normal situation in any other situation you you have some patience maybe with it and you see what you have in samsonov who uh to me has uh just incredible talent and um he's got incredible talent he's got (laughs) and he's incredibly talented at not getting his head screwed on straight i i I think that uh that he's also got some issues and uh you know if they they haven't quite been able to solve those yet but uh again youngish guy uh with very little experience uh vanacek to me is a little more uh buttoned down he seems to have done the work he's a much better goalie this year than he was last year uh Rebound control is it, a lot better i think it is and i mean I, he, he looks better to me but he's you know not uh certainly not above giving up some crap goals and uh you know it, yeah. it you, you might have more patience with it if you didn't have a 36-year-old Alex Ovechkin and, you know, uh, whatever Nick Backstrom is and uh, just this aging core who's playing very well. And uh, if they keep up 
what we were talking about earlier being just a, a shot suppression team that's uh, shooting uh, the puck at a plus whatever, rate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be real hard to, to have that undone by bad goaltending. And um, so Eesh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer. I, I mean, I don't know that there's a guy out there you can fit under your cap and who will be uh, who you are sure is going to be an upgrade over these guys. Um, but, it, you know, you have to do your due diligence and see if he's there. And if he is, um, I think you probably go for it because, um, you know, if there if if these two goalies are humming along at um, league average. Uh, I, I don't, you know, we talked about league average being good enough uh, earlier. Uh, I think that holds true in the regular season. I don't think a regular season league average goalie is going to be good enough in the playoffs. I think you yeah. need, uh, you need either one of the, these, either one of these guys uh, or both um, establishes themselves as, above league average uh or i think you you probably see what it's going to take to get a goalie who is above league, league average because um you know tiktok mr wick this is like yeah. we are uh alex ovechkin's uh father time defying season aside um yeah it, it's it's time to if they're going to make uh, any noise in the postseason, um, you know, it's got to happen soon. And, yeah. you know, next year or two. Yeah, you would think. You would think. You you certainly. <laughs> Although would. we said that a couple of years ago, right? So, of course. So maybe maybe I know nothing. I don't know. Right. I mean, yeah, you could. I mean, that, that's the thing. It, it's like you, you, <laughs> you, you could uh, sit back and hope, uh, but that's not really a plan. And, no. you know, um, so many years. You you see teams approach, well, we'll get to the playoffs and then see what happens. Anything can happen in the playoffs. And, I mean, that is absolutely true. Anything can happen in the playoffs. But it usually doesn't. And, like, the best you can do is position yourself uh, to be somewhere above that anything can happen mentality in yeah. somewhere in the uh, we expect to win mentality. Because uh, anything can happen. That, that ain't a plan. That is – you know, that is just like, you know, hope in one hand and all that other stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah long, I mean, it's, it's easy to it's easy to say, oh, look, Montreal made the Stanley Cup final. But then look at what happened when they got there. Right. You know? Yeah. Plus, it was a weird as shit year. So. It was. That is absolutely true, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I kind of want to conclude by asking this. So. I think JP at the at the start of the off season, a long off season where the Capitals again lost in the first round. You wrote your kind of piece, uh, from what I remember of it, you know, kind of saying, look, like I think the Caps need a little bit more of a coherent plan as to what they're what they're trying to do here. So I guess I don't know. Have you kind of thought about that recently? And kind of what are the last couple of months, or I guess really month and a half or so of Capitals hockey? Do you want to do, do you want to update your thesis, or are you still kind of in wait waited out mode with this team? Um, well, I, 
You know, I don't remember writing that piece that <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember it that well. Uh, but it sounds really uh, smart, and uh, it sounds like the author was exceedingly handsome. So, um, uh, I, yeah, I, you know, with I, a great I think, haircut and a great beard, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that they, um, I, I think they've kind of been trying to find themselves and uh, I think that they have a little bit more you know getting uh, a full off season getting a pre preseason with Peter Laviolette not just uh last season was uh putting the wings on the airplane while you're barreling down the runway for takeoff and it yep. it showed especially when they uh got to the playoffs um but uh, you know this is a team who for a long, long time has uh, been uh, a team where you could just say, yeah, but let's see what happens in the playoffs, right? Like what they've done these first 15 games is great, but let's see what they do in the playoffs. Winning a president's trophy, winning the uh, Metropolitan Division, it's all great, but let's see what happens in the playoffs. So uh, I, I think that's where this team is right now, and that's what this team is right now. And uh, I do feel more com- confident and comfortable uh, right now that they will make the playoffs than I did uh, when the season started, uh, both maybe because of some things that other teams are doing, but also uh, they just they look like a, a playoff uh, contender. I mean, a, a team that, that'll be there uh, at, in the playoffs, um, which I didn't necessarily expect. I, I kind of expected them to be fighting for a playoff spot. They they look a little more comfortably uh, playoff bound right now, uh, but that could always change. Uh, you know, uh, that that's not written in stone or anything. Uh, but, you know, what happens once they get there? We'll see. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't I wasn't crazy about uh, the job Peter Laviolette did coaching them against uh, Bruce Cassidy last year. I I thought there were some uh, some missed chances. And I think, uh, frankly, I think he he was outcoached by Cassidy in that series. Um, So, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of questions, their health, their goaltending. Uh, how they hold up at this age, how, how they, how the kids develop. Uh, there's, there's a lot uh, of season to go and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I, it, it does feel as if they're on the right path right now, uh, given what they've got and how committed they are uh, to the core that's been here now for a decade more and more. All right. Well, that feels uh, that feels as good of a note to wrap up as any. So, uh, JP, this is uh, it's actually funny. I know on the Slack, I, I think I made a joke that if our podcast goes more than 41 minutes, uh, you know, I think you're going to kill me. But we went uh, we went a solid 53 here and uh, really didn't, nice. didn't feel rushed at all. Um, but uh, so um, I guess, JP, I, this is always the part where I say plug stuff and you say no. So uh, <laughs> what do you. Uh, I, OK, well, let me let me ask you this. Um if you were to plug something, what would it, what would, what would you like, you know, maybe, maybe plug yourself a little. Is there anything exciting about you that, that you want the, uh, the, the people to know? Uh, no, but they're. <laughs> <laughs> they don't um, call the best uh, podcast guests or nothing, folks. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm the Twitter, uh, Japers Rank, you know, engage ah, with I got us you to on. That's yeah, engage engage with with us with me on anything. 
you know, we're, we're an open book and, uh, happy to answer any questions or, you know, hockey or otherwise, but, you know, other than that, no, you know, my, uh, you can, you can friend me on untapped if you want to see what beer I'm drinking. Uh, you still uh, use untapped? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I, I like it. I like to keep track of my beers and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm J press 41 on that, I think. And, uh, what's a good beer you've drunk recently? Let's, let's, let's wrap up with that. Oh, well, last Thursday I was at Other Half DC, uh, given the day off, and uh, that's my favorite brewery around. And, uh, you know, anything, any of the IPAs those guys put out is just uh, next level stuff. So uh, I, I, I'm here to plug Other Half, uh, Other Half Brewing Company. They are yeah, delicious. Yeah. Well, my fiance is a big IPA person, so I will uh, we'll have to pass that along to her. But uh, JP, this has been a blast. Let's uh, let's get you on real soon, and um, sure. it, uh, it's, it's been great having you. Yep, anytime. Yeah, and uh, real quick, if you uh, I always forget to do this at the end of the show, but I will not this time. So if you like the show, please rate, rate, subscribe, review. Um, I think we're still probably the number one Caps podcast because a couple of them have kind of died recently. So uh, I you know, but let's keep it that way. I know that there's other Caps podcasts, which is both exciting, but also I'm competitive. I'm a law student again, so, you know, I'm naturally competitive. So uh, if you like the show, like I said, please rate or subscribe to view. You can find the show at, at Japers Drink Radio. You can find me at, at GregY underscore JR. And uh, you can find my writing at JapersDrink.com. So uh, look forward to us uh, having a show again uh, next week. And uh, stay tuned.